Copy, shift boss. Okay, radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy all personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. There's a chair in the vet bag. Yeah, stitch her up there, thanks, mate. Yeah, right, hey, copy that. Yeah, Righto, day two of money of mine, ladies and gentlemen. Mincor have voted accept for Twiggy's $1.40 offer. We've got St. Barbara bridging Stopes at Gualia. Glencore throw a massive $34 billion bid in for tech resources. And PNG take majority ownership of Porgra from Barrick and Zijin Mine. And this is Money of Mine for Tuesday, the 4th of April. JD, Trav, how are we feeling after the uh, rookie debut yesterday, lads? Excited, mate. Let's get into day two. Pretty pumped, mate. We are, we've got a, a big day of news to get through, so let's do it. Now, word on the street is that your LinkedIn followings have gone absolutely berserk overnight, both years. Is this correct? It's the, it's the Matt Michael effect, you know. Um, the uh, As soon as you tag us in a post, uh, we, we suddenly get 100 new, new requests. Proximity to talent, hey? <laughs> Very good, lads. Very good, right? Let's get into it. Now, as we uh, – now, but look, before we get into it, everyone, please head over to YouTube, type Money of Mine and subscribe. We've got a YouTube channel and Trav has taken the technology to a whole new level. So this is not just an audio podcast. This is on YouTube as a video daily. Get on there. Subscribe, The, the subscriber account's looking um, – Pretty sad at the moment, so we'd appreciate some love. Once we get to a 1,000 subscribers, we get part of the partner program and we'll get revenue from YouTube. So let's get into it. Now, yesterday we talked about uh, the Mincor Wailu battle. Mincor have released their statement today saying, accept the takeover offer from Wailu. Lads, let's unpack it following on from yesterday. Predicted correctly by money of mine, I will say. That's right. That's right, Maddie. Um, yeah, we did we did flag this one in yesterday's episode, and, and it is unsurprising given the guidance that was pulled by Mincor that the board would ultimately just recommend the takeover offer. I had a look at the the target statement, and there was some pretty strong wording baked into that in, within the chairman's letter itself. And, and and I'll take the time to sort of read a few quotes within there because um, I think it's quite telling of of what's actually un, be, be, you know undergone here at the mine itself. So in the chairman's letter. Um, it stated that while mining rates continue to improve, the nature of mining is such that there is a risk that mine production and the ramp up may take longer than planned. The production may be less than planned and or the cost may be higher than anticipated. Mincor does not own or control its own processing infrastructure, instead selling ore on a mine-to-gate basis to BHP under what is known as an ore tolling and concentrate purchase agreement. While adopting this approach has provided Mincor with a low-cost pathway to production, it means that the company must be able to comply with its customer's product specification. During the ramp-up period, Mincor has delivered and BHP has accepted off-speculation product. BHP recently advised that it is unable to amend this agreement specifications to guarantee the full acceptance of 100% of mined ore. This places Mincor's cash flow and its ability to repay debts as they fall due at risk as they are dependent on its ability to sell all of its ore. So this is, is, is a pretty strong wording, ultim- ultimately um, encouraging Mincor share- shareholders to accept it because the board see the risk that they won't get full payability in the future as a, as a you know, a, 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 a quite a high outcome. Um, and, you know, with the board support of, you know, from my perspective, you know, there's, there's a pretty limited interloper field, especially given the individual risk of this asset with the BHP arrangement. Um, so I, I'd expect this to be a relatively quick process now and, and hostile takeovers are extremely rare these days, especially ones 
that that you know that actually complete as fast as I expect this to. Wilo's at twenty three percent now, um, and with the board recommendation to accept, I expect that to climb pretty quickly. So, Trav, that payability you talk about is that the uncertainty that the specification would remain in lines for the f- future sales to the BHP concentrator. Absolutely. So, you know, the initial product has been marked as off, off spec. BHP have um, accepted some off spec product already, but they're not guaranteeing that they'll do that in the future. So, you know, there's, there's, there's pretty big risk on the, on, the, on the payability front there that the product will continue to be off spec. Um, you know, we don't have full visibility on, on the likelihood that that will be the case. The board might have closer proximity to that answer, but that would pave a pretty big part of the economics of the project going forward. So, JD, did you see this when it was trading at $1.67 the other week? Could have you seen this as an outcome? Do you think many people have, would have predicted this would have been the best and final offer? Yeah, I think there's just a bit of speculation in the market at the moment. We've seen that with Liontown as well, trading a good few cents above what the bid has come in at. It looks pretty unlikely, even though over 10 million shares have traded this morning above the bid price, that anybody else is going to come in now with what Travi said Wailu having 23% of the company and the company itself accepting the deal. Right. So we'll chuck a chuck another zero or two onto this offer. And that's what Glencore have just put in a bid for tech resources overnight in Canada. A Aussie dollar, $34 billion unsolicited script bid for Canada's, Canada's biggest miner. So what's the go here, JD? Yeah, that's it, Maddie. Bit to unpack here. So the bid was for the entirety entirety of Tech's business, they're actually in the process of splitting up their metals business from their Met Coal assets at the moment. That was something that the company itself was planning to vote on at the end of the month. So they'll have a few more things to talk about now. So we're just going to chuck a chart up for people watching on YouTube. The combined entity would become the third largest copper miner in the world once the assets that Tech has in Chile come online later this month. So like we sort of highlighted yesterday, investors around the world are hunting for copper assets. And there's been a long time, there's been speculation for a long time that tech would be split up and that the combined metals entity could get that green premium and trade at a much higher multiple in comparison to what it's been trading at lately with the combined met assets involved. We've seen majors over the past few years exit coal altogether. It was interesting to see that the combined deal would involve... Glencore putting their oil division in com- combined with the copper and zinc and other green battery metals parts of the businesses going forward. So there are rumours at the moment that they Glencore will come back with a improved bid, perhaps offering a bit of script in there. What are your thoughts on that, Trav? Well, you know, I think I think like you know, at a very simplistic level, this is. Two companies with copper and coal. Yes, Glencore's got its marketing and it's got other commodities, but at a very simplistic level, these are two companies with copper and coal. And you know, tech is currently trading at 5.2 times FY23 EBITDA versus Glencore at four times. Now you can compare those multiples with with you know a, a, a pure play copper producer such as uh, Capstone Copper, which trades at 9.6 times. You know, so, so clearly both of these companies are trying to play the demerge and re-rate to, to gain the green premium game. Now, whether they do that in unison or not remains to be unseen, but but Glencore, they're going to have to offer more for it to be palatable at this stage, given the fact that, you know, we've already got 
um, a, a, you know, a decline of this unsolicited offer already. Yeah, and there was one upside to the the proposed deal. As it stands now, the coal assets would be pumping cash into the metals business for I think up to six years. So Glencore were proposing a deal which would see no cash changing hands from the coal assets into the metals co going forward. All right, next off, Genesis Trading Hull. Genesis are back in the news. Uh, I think it was there was some discussion. I wonder how it's going to go, this deal, if it's since St. Barbary were continuing to decline in their share price. They've just put an announcement out. They've both gone into trading halts, and the deal is going to be modified, you would say. Genesis have actually released an uh, announcement and St. Barb's on the modifications and the reasoning. Let's unpack it, lads. It's a very interesting it, one. This, this is super interesting. Um, you know, you, you don't often see deals recut at, you know, this, at this stage. Um, and I think it just sort of speaks to some of the, you know, the, the events that are unfolding in, in relation to kind of, you know, the advancing of the mine plan that's, that's, that's happening um, at Leonora. So, you know, both, both Genesis and St. Barbara, they've entered this trading halt. Um, and, and, you know, St. Barb's in their announcement have flagged that one of the conditions precedent of the scheme is that their net debt must not exceed $163 million by the month before the second court hearing of the scheme. Now, and we still don't know when that second court hearing date will be because the scheme booklets are not out. They've been pushed back two months already. So... Um, you know, they flagged that their net debt at the end of 31 March was 112 million. And I think the, the gist of this announcement is ultimately to flag to the market that there might be some further capital requirements given the high costs experienced at Gualia. Um, you know, and when, when you look at the announcement, they've actually withdrawn the all in sustaining cost guidance estimates for production, you know, at Gualia, their Leonora operation in FY23. Um, you know, so it looks like they're going to need more capital to avoid a potential breach of that net debt threshold condition, you know, because the mining costs experienced at Gualia and, and, and hence a likely recut of the deal to protect the Genesis shareholders for unforeseen downside as a result of that. Yeah, I think it's hard to imagine that a new deal here would be any better for St. Barbara shareholders. Maddie, you've got a bit of experience underground. So the I've been a couple of times. Yeah. St. Barbara had flagged that three key stopes blasted suboptimally leading to the whole production timeline being pushed back a bit. What does this actually mean in practice? And is this likely a one-off event or is it sort of indicative of the management or perhaps the asset itself? Well, there, there is a bit of fluffy language in here, so I'll uh, put the underground mining tinge, tinge on it. So like suboptimal blasting, blasting of three key stopes, recovery affecting the recovery of these stopes uh, which, and significant rework for the mining of these stoves, which slowed down the whole sequence. So let, let's go through it step by step. So suboptimal blasting means it didn't bloody work, essentially. So let's use a bit of paper here. Let's say this paper is a stove. Like think of a 3D picture. Yeah, optimal blasting is blow the living shit out of it. Bang, you've got a hole in the ground. The whole thing's gone, you bog it out, you take it to the surface, you put it through the mill. Suboptimal blasting, just get my second stope. Suboptimal blasting means the whole thing hasn't been blasted. And what we refer to in the business is bridging. So that is when you get this and you go. 
you bog that bit out, but that bit's still there. So that is that is full of gold. So when there's a bridge, that's left at the top. And the rework required to get that is drilling extra holes into it, coming back, they call it slashing. You're trying to blast that bit out. Absolute pain in the ass. Takes a lot of time. And while you're doing that, because of the retreating sequence at Gualia, so they'll be retreating back towards the extremities of the ore body. While you're buggering around with that, that slows down the mining, the pace filling of that stope, which then pushes each subsequent stope out into the schedule. And they did refer to it that uh, the how that schedule was affected. So uh, you could, for instance, have a, a high-grade stope coming up, but you can't take it now because you lose access to the ones in the front. So because they're buggering around with these stopes that they bridged, that's then pushed those later stopes out, which essentially pushes your schedule forward, whatever time it takes you're buggering around with that stope. So uh, look, a lot of variables, drilling accuracy, so there could be deviation, there could be poor ground conditions, which means you weren't able to charge all the holes. When the drilling accuracy is poor, uh, the blasting performance doesn't work at the end, um, so that's what causes the bridges. Charge-up errors, um, look, there's a lot, of, a lot of variables. Sometimes the old rush, 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 need to get it on the deck, we've got to hit our targets, results in things like this. And the flow-on effect is significant. So, look, it's hard to infer what's actually actually happened, but they're the reasons. A lot of, lot of, lot of holes in the cheese probably lined up, and that all stays there forever. Man, who would have thought mining was the simplest crunching up paper? There you go. I told you. We're just blowing up rocks. It's pretty bloody simple. So, look, it happens everywhere. Uh, the whole goal of it is making it not to happen. I famously left a lot of copper in the ground at the DeGrusa copper mine for uh, trying to be too aggressive. So if anyone wants is, to buy DeGrusa, there's a bit of copper, I'll tell you exactly where it is. I think it was for sale, wasn't it? It is for sale, yeah. It sure is. Yeah. Matty, some news, <laughs> some news in P&G overnight. What's yeah, well, this is this is interesting because I did talk about um, talk about a while ago about Wafi Galpu and the whole government side of things. So, like, look, give a bit of – Give a bit of context. The reason this is in the news again, you've got Barrick Gold and the PNG government and Zijin Mining, a Chinese company. They've inked a deal to get the Porgra mine restarted. Uh, it's been halted since 2020. And look, as I said, I've spoken about in 2019 in May, that's when their current Prime Minister, James Marape, was elected and he vowed to take back PNG and literally wanted – I think it was 50 to 60% ownership of natural resource products. So halted a lot of uh, LNG products, halted. There's Wafi Gulpu that's been halted. Porgra got halted. They didn't renew their mining license. So, give, like, look, Newcrest's Wafi Gulpu copper project, that's a 28-year mine life, 161,000 tonnes of copper a year and 260,000 ounces of gold. So it's a massive block cave operation and then – Let's give, I'll give you a scope on Porgra. So in 2004, they mined 1 million ounces and 800,000 ounces either side of that. And it's got a 10 million ounce resource at 3.8 grams. And that's in measured and indicated. So massive amount of ounces, very high grade. And the ownership. So originally, by the looks, it was 95% owned by Barrick and Zijin and 5% by the government. So Barrick and Zijin have halved their ownership and uh, the PNG government now own 51% of the project. But just as a bit of like to rub a bit of salt in the wound, 
they actually get 53% of the economic benefits. So I'm not sure how that works. So they've had a barrack, they've had a significant reduction in ownership, uh, but it's for 700,000 ounces a year they're forecasting. So just to give a bit of uh, how big is that, that's about the top 10th biggest gold mine in the world. So Boddington in 2019 pumped out seven, nearly 700,000 ounces at number 10. Uh, so look, and Barrick, Barrick get a lot of ounces out of Nevada. So they're 3.3 million ounces there with Newmont. They've got, uh, what have they got? They've got Kabali and yeah, so they're, it's not the biggest operation they've got, but it's a significant one, but they, they own a lot less of it now. So look, plenty more of that going around the world as well, JD, isn't it? Yeah, I think mining government intervention in the mining space is, is nothing new. And we've seen some news recently out of Mali. We've seen Tanzania last year come up with a new mining code in Guinea. It looks like Samandu's finally going ahead after years or if not decades of squabbles over it. So there are a range of different terms that are manageable for mining companies. And I think the key thing they're all just looking for is stability. So that, look, ten Marley, I know Marley were 10% of Leo Lithium, I think. So you, is is it looking like Marley's going to – do you think this PNG ownership and the way they're sort of structuring resource projects in their country, do you think that's going to go around the world? Do you think other governments are going to look to be doing similar? It's hard to say. There's a lot of debate in Chile, one of the biggest copper miners and uh, – what was known for a long time a tier one mining jurisdiction talking about nationalizing entire assets of course Cadelco's a national mining company there so we've seen a lot more of this talk recently but it's hard to say how that sort of manifests going forward there's there's so many different models and it's, and it's kind of hard to know which one becomes the dominant one you know in, in tanzania they've they've adopted this 16 percent free carried interest um as the as the model going forward under a new regime that's been supported by, by by major miners in the region and, and developers alike, so it's hard. It's really hard to know. I think it's a case by case scenario um, on where you know the, the government really stands on what's an, an acceptable outcome. Do you want a bit of trivia for the day, boys? Let's hear it. Well, why not? Who do you think? So they were the twenty twenty one gold production statistics. Who do you reckon the top producing gold mine was in twenty twenty one? Significant outlier. Nevada gold mines, 3.3 million ounces, Barrick and Newmont. Wow. Closely followed by Murantau in Uzbekistan, 3 million ounces. There you go. Out of one operation. Well, I don't believe your statistics. That was off, um, I don't know. I'm pretty, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't Wikipedia <laughs> or Reddit, so it's all good. You heard it here first. Right, let's pump out the other news for the day, 30 seconds or less. Hopefully. Now you've got Tanami Gold released their scoping study for the Central Tanami project. That's the one they're in a 50-50 JV with Northern Star. Kin Mining released drill results at Cardinia. Got predictive discovery report assay results from nine holes at their Bankin Gold project in Guinea. Uh, Widgie Nickel, they confirmed mineralisation outside of their current Widgie South resource. And Australian Vanadium's infill drilling confirms higher vanadium and iron ore grades and more shallower weathering profiles at their flagship project and the weathering's the stuff they don't process as easy. So there we go, lads. Perfect. That's a wrap. Day two. Everyone, as we said, make sure you head to YouTube, subscribe to the Money of Mine YouTube channel and look, get in touch Get in touch with us if you want to get involved. We've uh, got phone capability to dial in some gurus, which is going to be 
pretty exciting going forward, I think. Beautiful. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Cheers, lads. Have a good day, everyone. Who wrote? The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs. Thank you.